Welcome to Postwave. This is Trevor. And this is Eric. This is the second part in our two-part series on the intellectual dark web. Just a quick disclaimer that we're two musicians and composers who like to talk about a bunch of topics that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's factually incorrect, or even if you just disagree with us, we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know. So just just to kind of tie up the whole the whole Black Lives Matter thing as it, as it relates to the IDW. Um, I think a lot of their main concern was, especially with the whole defund the police thing Mm. and protesting in the middle of of a pandemic when people have been told to, you know, stay inside and and don't congregate and all that stuff. Mm. Um, I think the main concern was that that would play into the hands of of Trump and the GOP because it would seem hypocritical. And uh, and and the whole like defund the police thing would seem like a, a really drastic overreaction hmm. and something that was obviously not a good idea. Hmm. That's funny. Cause that's, it's kind of a right wing economic approach, right? Smaller government defund the police. Whereas the more democratic socialist approach would be more towards like in developing better systems that more, cultivate good practices within the police huh that, that's interesting yeah i mean in terms of just in terms of like more money going to the government i guess mm-hmm. um I, I never really thought about that although i think i don't know <laughs> as far as as money going to any part of the government i think i think conservatives are are pretty gung-ho about that being uh directed towards policing and the military mm-hmm <laughs> I mean, both both parties have their have their things that they're a little bit hypocritical about, as far as like the the things that they're like, you know, because liberals are supposed to, uh, you know, want the government to to you know control more things, and conservatives are supposed to want you know the government to control less things. But with things like abortion, the conservatives want to control people a lot more, mm-hmm. and you know there there are some things that that flip flip the kind of stereotypical tendencies a little bit <clears throat> yeah i think the whole dichotomy is bullshit but that's <laughs> right, gonna be another right. another episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think we, we kind of mentioned that too yeah um yeah and, and i have to admit like i i was uh i kind of had the same concerns uh when all the protests started and i i personally didn't you know i didn't go to any of them um mostly out of concern for for the covid thing mm-hmm. um and luckily, I mean, there have been a bunch of studies that have been done and seems pretty safe to say that, that none of the protests really contributed significantly to any spikes. Mm. Um, not that they didn't cause any new cases, but that there's no correlation between like cities that had gigantic protests and cities that had uh, 
spikes in COVID cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that that's due to people, you know, wearing masks and and social distancing, unlike people who are pro- protesting the lockdowns and and not doing mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Um, but but that said, I think I think it still uh, could have played into the hands of of conservatives a little bit, making uh, the left look hypocritical. <laughs> I I again I'm, I'm dubious about this because because that kind of thinking is is about us versus them. It's about we have to look good so that they can't win against us, or we have to make them look bad so that we can win against them, and completely misses the the purpose of having any sort of meaningful dialogue sure sure but like but functionally <laughs> with how 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 big of a of a deal this election was and, and how much it was riding on it i think mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty risky to to do anything beyond uh i i think it was it was uh it made sense to to play it safe as far as giving mm. giving the other side you know uh ammunition the uh, <laughs> giving the other side ammunition <laughs> i mean do you do you see the problem here uh i mean i you know that that's that's the situation though like that's that's i i i agree it's it's un uh <clears throat> it's not ideal at all <laughs> but but that is the, the situation. Do you think that the that's naturally right the situation, or has that been artificially cultivated by people who want to pit people against each other so that they can more easily control us? Oh, I, I think that's that's totally. I think it it totally is. You know, uh, what what you said. <laughs> higher <laughs> higher powers pitting people against each other so they can more easily control mm-hmm. us. Um, uh, but again, I think I think this specific election was just so important. Yeah. I mean, I I think I you mean know. I I I see your point and I agree with you. And when is it ever not going to be that way? And can we ever justify succumbing to vitriol and villainization of a large swath of people in order to just get that one little victory in? Yeah, well, I I realize it's it's easy to just keep kicking the can down the road and and say, oh, well, this election's really important, but you know, next time, we can we can you know try to be a little less partisan or, or mm-hmm. uh, polarized or whatever. But I <laughs> I believe fairly strongly that our our democracy was actually at risk in this election. Like the whole the whole system mm-hmm. itself was at risk, mm-hmm. and I think that's confirmed by. <laughs> trump's been doing for the past three weeks <laughs> what's just, he been doing i haven't been following at all oh uh, good for you i mean i just like denying that the that he lost and saying oh. it was all corruption and uh-huh. and you know yeah it it's pretty pretty fucking scary <laughs> <laughs> and like and the G- gop was is like going along with it hmm. for, for the most part that's scary yeah, really haven't been following any of that. No, <laughs> it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I stopped. I stopped paying. 
I stopped paying attention once once it was clear that everything was going to be okay. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little touching. I mean, it was the whole like um, technically in a few states the the state legislature could uh, just choose to pick the electors themselves mm-hmm. um, and just ignore the popular vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and some states have have laws against that, but some don't. Um, and obviously if any of them did that, it would basically be like a coup. Yeah. But it's, it was within the realms of, of possibility. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, that was what everyone was, was afraid of. Hmm. Um, but, um, so yeah, so the, the COVID thing in connection to the protests ended up not being quite, or it ended up not really being a problem at all, um, which I think in retrospect was probably the main thing that concerned me about them just because I was, I was kind of on the, the more cautious end of my, my group of friends and mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends just, you know, going out. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I was never really sure what to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were, I, I don't know if you saw, like there was this petition that went around with a bunch of medical professionals saying that, that, racial injustice and police violence was enough of a public health issue that it justified um mm. protesting and i you right. know way more people believe that than signed the petition there were you know a bunch mm. of protests in different cities of of medical <laughs> professionals um but but that petition in particular it was like 1500 and you know which, which seems like a big number but compared to the the total number of of medical professionals in the country that's like almost nothing Mm. right and i I have to believe that that petition like went around like crazy on social media and stuff so i i think it's really impossible to judge that the amount of uh support by that just by looking at the proportion of people who signed it versus people who may or may not have been exposed to it yeah yeah i mean I, i i'm i may be uh i may be assuming some things but um <laughs> but i i guess i guess i guess what i what i want to say is that you can't really i don't think you can really make any conclusions based on the, the number of people that signed it mm. yeah but but it, but that maybe it's it's just an idea to consider that maybe we 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 don't know the the data one way or another but maybe it's it's quite reasonable to think they're that that may actually be the case uh what may actually be the case that uh it's justifiable that the amount of lives lost from police violence is greater than the amount of lives lost by people spreading the disease protesting yeah yeah and and like i said in the end it was it was shown that that the the protest didn't really contribute significant to significantly to the you know to to the the epidemic um Mm -hmm. and so yeah i guess i guess that was borne out um but yeah at the time that was that was kind of uh freaking me out a little bit just i think because Mm -hmm. of of the side i had landed on from the whole south by southwest thing and um Mm -hmm. my mind was just already kind of in that mode i think just another thing that's really important to recognize is while we may create these groupings of people, we are the left, we are 
the grassroots or whatever it is, whatever grouping we call ourselves or the other people, that really those are not unified identities and they're just sort of vague approximations that may or may not realistically reflect the combined values of the people who are purportedly members of them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, so would would you describe that as, uh, as being kind of the opposite of identity politics? Well, I, I would say that what we were experiencing is definitely identity politics, and that that's not a helpful thing. <laughs> right, right, um, and that actually is. I think that's a pretty unanimous stance on the. Uh, IDW, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I mean the the uh, well, I'll, I'll just kind of uh, say what what Sam Harris says, which is I think the the version I agree with the most, which is that like there was a, a need for identity politics at a certain point, mm. um, but now it's pretty obviously led to white identity politics on the right. Sorry to keep using right and left, but <laughs> but like you know especially among poor white people, it, it seems counterintuitive that they can't be proud of their identities in the same way that minorities can, if that makes sense. Hmm. Which again, I mean, I, I totally see why that is, <laughs> but I, I totally see why, you know, why white identity politics is wrong. But from their perspective, I I could see how they could think that, if that makes sense. I'm not sure that we're talking about exactly the same thing. Yeah. I I guess with my understanding of identity politics, it's the perspective from which it more matters who you are when you're making a decision than what decision you're actually making. For example... There's people who would consider themselves conservative and yet voted for Trump. Now, if you really look at what Trump represents ideologically, he's the most batshit insane liberal. He he does whatever the fuck he wants, changing things up for no apparent reason other than, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. not conservative. He is a big, supposedly a big middle finger in the system, right? As, mm-hmm. as Shapiro says in that video. Yeah. Um, well, he he did kind of hijack the Republican Party. He did, and and that's kind of my point. Because why did Republicans? Why did actual conservatives vote for this clown? The way I see it, it's because they identify as older, rich, white men who like women and um, golfing and whatever. (laughs) You know, it's that image of I am like him. I'm that person. And so it doesn't really matter what he represents ideologically or what he's actually going to do. The person's going to vote for him because they see that identity yeah and and yeah i think that's you definitely have a good point and and you know for people who aren't rich it's it's what they want to be 
Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> that not to keep referencing Sam Harris, but but he he said that um, Trump is a, a poor person's idea of a rich person. Hmm. Like you know all the lavish like gold and and you know like really opulent you know displays of wealth and and all that stuff mm-hmm. and it's all kind of wizard of oz type illusion thing mm-hmm. yeah this isn't trump like hor- horrendously in debt <laughs> yeah like a, yeah we, we don't really, we don't really know riches his, you can get <laughs> yeah we wouldn't really know his financial situation um mm-hmm. oh i think i think also what what trump trump represents is that uh kind of like you're saying that the division between republicans and democrats doesn't really make sense and it's it's starting to break down a little bit because people are just kind of fed up with the system mm. as a whole and and i think for a lot of people who voted for trump it was just this uh, you know I, i'm so fed up with the system let's throw this crazy guy in there and and see if he can you know shake things up enough to to make things change mm-hmm. i think that was a, a lot of people's motivation from from what i understand yeah, from, from talking to people, that's also the impression that I got. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious, what what's your opinion on the whole defund the police thing? I mean, I guess I would take a more socialist perspective that maybe defunding isn't necessarily the most effective route. For example, <clears throat> this this may be a little dated, but I remember from a year or two ago there was some talk about police body cameras and that these were near unanimously in favor by members of the police when when an anonymous survey was taken i think like 85 percent of police officers were in favor of mandating that they should have to wear body cameras all the time and that 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 would maybe be a step in the right direction which would you know cost some money but it would probably be well worth it yeah yeah i don't think that's outdated at all um yeah i know i know that's started to be a thing we have you know it has helped in in a few cases i think um yeah i mean anytime you can get video it's i think it's it makes the whole thing a little bit more objective even if it's it can definitely you know show show some things and not other things you know depending on the angle or whatever um but but that's also one thing that coleman hughes talks about is is uh because most of these these interactions that go go bad are are filmed on on cell phones now like almost as a rule Mm -hmm. um it does give give us a more objective view of things and and let us uh yeah it's definitely help any 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 time any of these things are are caught on camera you know as as disturbing as it can be to to watch Mm -hmm. and like maybe maybe that's just one of many steps that could be taken for example uh mental health support for police officers um and like effective training and selection to get like a a police officer force who understands some of the more complicated issues and don't want to go out and kill unarmed black people yeah yeah and and it was uh it was kind of weird because at the same time there were all these defund the police things going around there were also you know 
like comparisons of how many hours police have to train versus I think like barbers, a bunch of really kind of mundane things. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, their their training is so much lower. Like their their required training is so much lower. Um, we need to raise the number of hours they need to train and also like defund <laughs> somehow. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'll admit, like, uh, I mean, when, when the uh, when when George Floyd was was murdered, I I was initially on on the defund the police train, mm. um, and kind of on the whole uh, protest train in general, um, because it seemed like one of those things that those ideas that seems counterintuitive, but I I just you know I trusted that I didn't know enough to be able to make an argument about it hmm. and that uh you know i should i just i should just trust people who who think about this stuff all the time hmm. um and yeah it wasn't really until i i i i ran into that coleman hughes article that i think i really my thinking really started to to change um but i think i think what people sometimes miss about the defund the police thing is that the slogan itself kind of kind of have two meanings depending on who you're talking to one one being we just need to take funding away from the police and not all of it though right take some funding away and reallocate it to you know mental health services that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and the other one being abolish the police Uh, right and hmm. and there are definitely uh you know for for most people who support the movement i'm sure it's not abolish the police but there are some people, you know, radical people who believe that, and mm. that uh, anytime I hear like, this is really frustrating. Like anytime I would hear it being the the phrase being brought up on like Joe Rogan or uh, or you know any any of the IDW kind of podcast spaces or whatever, they would never mention the reallocation part. Mm-hmm. of like redirecting the funds to other things could help um it was always just well this, this is so stupid why you know of course we need police what do you think is going to happen you know mm-hmm. um and so i think the whole the whole phrase was just kind of uh poorly chosen and poorly mm-hmm. uh promoted i guess yeah and that's so challenging because i think maybe the reason why a phrase like that could gain so much traction is because it's catchy right it like sounds provocative and it's easy to wrap your head around like the simple core concept of that idea and yet it maybe it doesn't convey the intention that the people behind it have and furthermore it may not even represent the ideology as we've just discussed of the people who are saying it and so you kind of have a bandwagon effect where people repeat it without really understanding it yeah yeah um although i think i think yeah it's interesting because i feel like most of the people in my friend circle who were who were sharing those things like definitely did understand it um and yeah, it, it's weird. I don't know where the disconnect is between those people and the more center people who who just think it means to get rid of the police. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think most people who who repeated it understood what it meant, but might have miscalculated its its impact mm. in the end. If that makes sense. Yeah, didn't fully understand the ramifications. Yeah, or I I don't know about understand, but just like misjudged, or maybe just didn't consider. It seems to me. I mean, I'm sure they considered its impact because like you want it to have an impact, right? But I think they just. I mean, it's it was kind of. I think it was kind of like a radical, an extreme situation calls for extreme measures type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they, they realized, I I think that's really core to a lot of the way people interact with politics today is that they have a visceral emotional reaction against a situation that is obviously wrong and they want to do something about it. And so they get up in arms and look for the loudest movement that has the most catchy uh slogan and just jump on that bandwagon is like like you said assuming that that's the best thing that people have thought it through and maybe the reason why that particular uh idea has got so much traction is not that it's well merited but just that it's attractive that it's flashy yeah yeah and it lets people uh yeah, kind of like you said, it lets people feel like they're contributing in, in some really tangible way. Mm-hmm. Even if, you know, even if it's maybe not quite as much of a contribution as they as they think. Yeah, or or even if it's something that is doomed to failure and only makes "quote unquote" your side look stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. yeah I, th- I think i think in the end like my main my main issue with with the whole black lives matter protests thing isn't so much that that i think uh they're wrong or that the protest shouldn't happen but again i, I think for me it, it does just come back to i i worry that it's gonna provoke like a whiplash on the other side because hmm. they you know I think, as I said, there's definitely still racism. There's definitely still structural racism and systemic racism and policing and, uh, you know, inordinate violence against people of color by police and, and all that stuff. Um, I just I just think, yeah, it's it's slightly, slightly different than the popular narrative would suggest. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I'll also say, like, I was I was poking around a little more on the internet related to this this coleman hughes article stories and data and um did did you get a chance to read any of it by any chance i haven't yet 
Okay. Um, yeah, so I just, like, I, I Googled the article, and there were a bunch of, like, Reddit threads about it. Um, and, of course, people are like, uh, oh, this, you know, City Journal, the the website that this was published on is, uh, what did they say exactly? Um, City Journal is published by the Manhattan Institute, a far-right hate group in the form of a think tank that promotes authoritarian solutions for urban problems. So it's, I feel like this happens a lot political stuff like you'll read an article that you're really convinced by and then you'll see someone say oh well that was published on this platform or this person has also said this other like horrendous thing and then mm. you just kind of doubt everything you you felt or thought <laughs> when you were reading that article <laughs> or you know listening to that person talk or whatever um did do, do you do you ever run into that uh so in in extreme cases, yeah. I remember there was one article that went around on Facebook with this picture of people from like a hundred years ago all stuffed in cages, and it was this like long story about how Irish indentured servants were treated as bad or worse as African slaves. And it's this whole like long in depth, and you're reading it, you're like holy shit, is that true? Is this all just been brushed under the rug and hidden by history? And then, of course, if you actually examine the data, it's all absolute fabrication propaganda that's been made up. Um, so I think maybe that's the most important thing in engaging with these ideas is to be able to address the particular points, the particular data that has been presented and make judgments on those regardless of the if the source you are drawing it from is saying either saying things that you disagree with or that you even think are just abhorrent yeah yeah i agree in general although you know um there are certain you know publications that are, are definitely red flags i mean you know and of course mm. i'm biased against things like Breitbart and I don't know what's what are the new there's a couple new like Trump leading news websites I don't know. like one America and there's there's a couple other ones that have uh sprouted up that are even more extreme than, than Fox News and like you know any mm -hmm. any one of those you know I would be highly highly skeptical of anything I read on there mm -hmm. doesn't mean they can't say true things but uh, yeah yeah in, in general like it's it's good to just kind of cross-reference things and and at least see what what the criticisms are mm -hmm. yeah yeah because a clever source like that is going to publish some things of merit in order to disguise the fact that they're pushing a particular untrue agenda yeah and I, I this has obviously been said before but i think so much of this the political tor turmoil we're experiencing right now is is a direct result of the internet and just how it's <laughs> completely destroyed our our relationship with the truth <laughs> That, mm -hmm. that we had before i mean and maybe it'll ultimately turn into something better because i don't think it should be controlled by you know just the big media mm -hmm. outlets and and all that stuff but uh yeah i think i think that's a a, a big driver of all the stuff that's kind of going down mm -hmm. and and i i, I agree that it that there's definitely reason to think that and that may be very true 
I'd also question the idea that we ever really had that sort of objective view of the truth. Uh, it's just so much easier to get caught in a rabbit hole now, but maybe before it was kind of just as bad. You just didn't know it because the sources of information were so particularly curated to paint a, a very particular picture. Yeah, no, I think I think you're totally right. And I think if I'm being optimistic, maybe we'll get to some kind of new equilibrium where we will have a little bit better of an idea about 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 truth. But mm. yeah, you're you're totally right that that before we were probably just ignorant of all the things we were being deceived about because everyone was like in cahoots with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And maybe to to be optimistic, uh an approach we could reach that more objective truth state of being is to encourage literacy in every individual to create a, a sort of informational immune system where like for example that that post that I was talking about with the Irish indentured servants I saw it because some older lady who doesn't know anything about uh, how to like fact check things just saw this and was emotionally gut-wrenched by it and said holy shit I need to share this without having any concept of maybe you should google it first see see if it's verifiable see if it's refuted somewhere Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you got to be aware of who's (laughs) who's posting stuff too yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah you you know but give it given like the right string of people it's possible for someone you you would totally trust otherwise to still post something that's completely inaccurate Mm -hmm. i guess my hope is that with it becoming so evident and necessary for people to recognize that not everything you read on the internet is true, that maybe people can start to learn as a whole and develop a resilience toward that sort of misinformation. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone at this point is aware that not everything you read on the internet is true. I think the problem is is confirmation bias and people automatically want to believe that the things they disagree with aren't true and the things that they do agree with are true. Mm, that Yeah, that's definitely another issue. Yeah. Or at least, yeah, I think it would at least be good for people to, to accept that, like, no matter the outlet, some things are, are probably true and some things aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so just one, one last thing uh, on, on the defund the police issue. I, I do think it's it's pretty plausible that that led to the democrats not winning as many senate and house races as they thought they might yeah i mean i haven't examined the data and it seems like that could possibly have been an effect but i i wouldn't make a statement one way or the other yeah i mean yeah there's a lot there's a lot of infighting in the in the democratic democratic party about that right now um but i think it's it's i mean it was you know it was it was people who were in in pretty tight races already and uh i think a lot of them have like heard directly from voters that 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 was the 
the issue. Hmm. But yeah, it, it's the it's the whole like how how radical should we be and should we how should we weigh like actually winning and and getting to enact the the policies we want versus like standing up very intensely for for principles no matter what the hmm. the costs are. Uh, I mean, I don't think we have to be concerned about how radical our ideas are. Just if they make sense, if if they make sense and they're radical, then in a not corrupt system anyway, they should rise to the top. Yeah, but what do you mean by making sense? Like, for example, defund the police probably doesn't make sense. It's in contradiction to the other uh, aspects of the solution, like creating cameras and better training for the police. Like, that is not very well thought out and so of course it's going to have a lot of criticism whereas if people have a more thought out approach even if it's radical it maybe won't garner so much criticism if the people criticizing it are doing so in good faith and i think we have to kind of assume that even though they are the other, even though they're on the other side, even though they think silly things about abortion, they're probably mostly in good faith, I think, on a lot of points. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, obviously there's a lot of variation across people as to how how much in good faith they are and how much they're just kind of going based on their like relig- religious beliefs or whatever the party mm. says they should do or or you know how, how they were brought up mm-hmm. um but i think i think i think that the the problem with with radical ideas in general is that it uh i mean like what what does it mean to be radical Right, like it means it means to take some extreme step, in the in the goal with the goal of like furthering some agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And if that agenda is counter to what a bunch of other people want to do, then they're going to see it as like this huge escalation, right? Sure, and I think it's really important to maybe recognize that we might hold perceptions of this external force of people who are recalcitrant and obstinate and they just want to derail everyone. And sure, there's some of those people out there, but I think it's a mistake to say that, like, for example, the entirety of the right is in opposition to the idea of reducing police brutality. I don't think that's true at all. I think if you go out and talk to 100 people who consider themselves conservatives and say, hey, if a cop is going to shoot an unarmed black person, do you want to stop that or not? They're going to say, yeah, that's a person with a life and that they matter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They want the same things everyone else does, mm-hmm. right? Just like peace and 
and stability and, and happiness for as many people as possible. Yeah, and I think when we engage in identity politics and vilify a large group of people external to ourselves, it makes it impossible to recognize that truth and to come to reasonable conclusions. Mm -hmm. Makes us more susceptible to manipulation by people who are trying to pit us against each other. Right. Right. I, I still think you're being a little bit too optimistic about about uh, people accepting radical solutions that are coming from people they would normally consider their their opponents. I don't. But know. I guess your I guess your point is that they shouldn't think of them as their opponents. Precisely. Which I think is a little bit unrealistic because there's you know <laughs> even if it's not you know strict left right Republican Democrat there's always going to be kind of two. Uh, or more opposing factions somehow. Well, I think you may be right, but only because we're being artificially manipulated to be in, in opposition to each other. <laughs> so you think if we weren't being artificially manipulated, there'd be everyone would be in agreement? Not everyone eventually? would be in agreement, but everyone would be willing to have discourse and to change their minds to allow their minds to be changed by actually considering things that other people of other backgrounds are saying and not dismissing them out of hand just because they disagree with you on things that you care about yeah i mean that's optimistic i wish i i wish i could believe that was <laughs> I mean, maybe it's like possible theoretically but i think uh it's Look, yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen. This was specifically in response to when you said if there weren't that manipulating force. That manipulating force is there, and I think it's quite quite reasonable to say that we've all lost. They, they have control. They, there's nothing we can do to, to stop them pitting the majority against the majority. Right. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is is the manipulating force isn't the only thing creating this division. And it's it's not the only thing keeping people from from uh not considering things from from like a quote unquote objective point of view. Hmm. I mean, people will always have their shortcomings, but I think the most important deciding factor is to recognize that the majority of people on the opposition do have a good faith intention to try to understand and better the world for for the most people as possible they just are also being manipulated in the same way that you're being manipulated to see them as uh, a ridiculous force that you can't communicate with mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I guess i guess i pretty much pretty much agree with that yeah it's just i, I guess it's more just a question of of to what degree is that possible but that's that's an open question i guess we'll find out won't we yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>